0: After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Please proceed. Ah, that's how church should smell, right? <laughs> the saints in heaven, where are they looking? What are they focused on? I realize I can't rely on sort of under-the-breath answers, but so you'll have to speak out, actually. On God. On, on God, yeah, exactly, that's right. They're looking at God. They're standing before His throne, as we see in Revelation 7, facing Him and worshipping Him. And this is the single most important fact for us to understand about the saints on this All Saints Day, when we, as we commemorate them in one huge batch, that they are all, every one of them, focused on God. If we, um, let this, if we get this truth right, it dispels a number of errors, that I think, that kind of creep in to our minds, the Lord, in his wisdom, has only given us these handful of glimpses about the next life, right, in the scriptures. He could have, if he wanted, have described in extremely sort of lavish, I would say realist detail, but how to describe heaven in ordinary language, I don't know, but, but instead he gives us just these glimpses. And so in the absence of a lot of data, I think sometimes these kind of uh, cultural ideas kind of seep in a little bit, and if we get the truth right, I think it kind of pushes them back in their rightful place. So in the first place, the fact that the saints are looking at God means that they're not looking at us. From their place in heaven, they have no direct knowledge of what happens here on earth. So from what God has revealed, and I am want to speak as precisely as I need to here, um, it's probably not the case that our loved ones watch us from heaven, even though that's where we speak so often in the wake of a funeral or something, you know but it's probably not the case that they're watching us from heaven because they're focused on God. Now, it may be the case that, you know, we know that God in this life can give Christians uh, a supernatural knowledge, right? We see it happen in the scriptures, um, like when Peter calls out Ananias and Sapphira because he sees the truth, and the church throughout time has testified that God can give sort of a supernatural mental understanding um, beyond what could ordinarily be known. And it it may be the case that God gives the saints in heaven some pictures of things that are happening here on earth, but they receive that knowledge without breaking their gaze on God. God is the singular object of their attention and their adoration. I think we can be confident that they pray for us. Why would the saints in heaven be doing differently than what they did on earth, which is worship and pray? But it's Probably in general terms, or when God gives a specific word of knowledge to them. The saints are focused on God. Um, This truth also um, creates something that kind of catches me sometimes as a pastor when I hear people talk about the next life, about heaven. And they just speak in such excited terms about how excited they are to see their beloved dead, often a family member who's died before. And that's not wrong, right? We will be reunited with the communion of saints when we die. It's absolutely right but I feel like sometimes it gets wrong by proportion. I think it's focusing on the wrong thing. Uh, The picture came to mind of my kids at Christmas where sometimes they'll be so excited by the wrapping paper and the box, they'll miss the present. And I think when we think about heaven, I think we sometimes make the same mistake. We think about being reunited with those who we love who have died, but that's actually the wrapping paper. The present is getting to see God face to face. And as we grow in the knowledge of how great that will be, that should become, I think, over time, the most exciting prospect of heaven. The Christians in heaven are focused on God right now. So when someone dies and their soul leaves their body and comes before the judgment of Jesus and by his blood is forgiven and admitted into heaven, all the saints in heaven, they don't stop worshiping and then have kind of like a welcome reception for the new saint. The the soul just joins in the heavenly choir, right? Just jumps right in worshiping the Lord Jesus. And I think there will be the sweetest sense of communion with each other that we could ever imagine, sweeter than any human intimacy. The sense of being united in love and purpose together, shoulder to shoulder, with all the saints, the ones we knew in this life, the ones we didn't know. I think even the ones we didn't know, we'll know right away, right? When Peter is on the Mount of Transfiguration, he's just like, oh yeah, um, that's Moses and Elijah. He just recognized them. Right? We'll have this deep, sweet fellowship, but it will be the fellowship of being shoulder to shoulder, all worshiping God together. That's the work of heaven, which in a sort of a, a very Christian paradox is the, is the repose of heaven, is worship. To be focused, I think, on the reunion with other Christians is, is to miss the real object of our focus, where the saints are themselves focused on God. Um, it's a principle I think God's written into the cosmos, that we grow to resemble the things that we focus on. <clears throat> I think we even get some physical instances of this in this life that I think that phenomenon of how dogs begin to look like their masters over time, or how long married couples who've been married a long time, their faces start to look more and more like each other's faces. Have you ever noticed that phenomenon? I think we we kind of morph into the thing we're focused on. It's probably true in the physical life. It's certainly true in the spiritual life. You come to resemble the thing that you focus on in worship. We read this week in the Daily Office, 2 Kings chapter 17. Not a chapter I read all that often except when it comes around in the Daily Office. But in verse 15 it says, talking about the Israelites who'd rebelled. They went after false idols and became false. You see the logic there? They went after something false, so they became a false kind of person because they were focused on something that was false. It's a logic that runs throughout the Psalms. Like in Psalm 115 when it describes... um, those who make idols, and it's sort of, the psalm is actually mocking the idols, it's kind of epic, John knows what I'm talking about. And it's like, you know, they make these idols, they got ears, but they can't hear. They got eyes, you carve in a little eye, but it can't see. It's got hands, but it can't feel. And that conclusion of the mocking of the idols is, those who make idols like that are like them. Deaf, mute, unfeeling. You become like what you focus on. If that's true in false religion, how much more true is it in, in real religion, in true religion? Those who focus on God begin to resemble God, not in His essence, but in His character. That's why I think it's possible that we could be commanded to be imitators of God. What a crazy high calling! That, those words keep getting weirder to me as I think on them, year after year. Like saying to an ant, you know, imitate this human. They're like what? Like how? And, then, and that immediately opens the answer of what only the Holy Spirit could make that possible but that's how high the calling is. Imitate God, we imitate Him. The work of imitation is founded on focusing on Him, right? It's a bad artist who looks once at something and then tries to draw it. It's a good artist who focuses in order to be able to replicate. The saints are focused on God and we're told about this in Revelation 7 so that we would do the same thing, right? I think the saints in heaven they just cringe when we make too much of them. Think about in Revelation, the two times when John tried to honor the angel that was giving the message, and he was like, no, 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 I'm like you. I'm just one of the servants, right? Look to God. Same thing with all the saints in heaven. If we pay them too much attention, they're like, no, 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 no. Look at the one to whom we're paying attention. That's the vision of Revelation 7. In St. Paul's words in Hebrews 12, and this is the NIV translation, which is my favorite for this verse. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith." What a great exhortation. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If we do that with all our heart and mind, gazing on the God who loves us, who ransomed us from death and from sin, then we too will grow to be like him. He is the Holy One. And by looking at him, we become holy ones, right? Or our English word for that is saint. It's a holy one who resembled the one that they focused on. So with that, um, by way of a sort of postscript, I just want to offer a distinction. That a saint is not, becoming a saint, us, I mean, becoming a saint, is not a synonym with becoming a famous saint. We know that Jesus has promised to reward all the deeds done in secret. And I love, I just love this passage that we read from Ecclesiasticus, one of the apocryphal books, sometimes called Sirach. We heard, there are some who have left a name so that their praises are declared, and there are some who have no memorial, who have perished as though they had not lived. So we know that there's famous saints, you know, we're gonna be coming up soon on, today's All Saints Day, but then there's gonna be St. Andrew's Day, and St. Lucy's Day, St. Nicholas's Day, St. Simon, St. Stephen, famous saints, but then there's hidden saints, known only to God, or maybe to their family members. It um, was this crazy existential moment for me in a class in college when a professor said, how many of you could name the first names of your eight great-grandparents? And of course, nobody raised their hand. And I was like, how many of could you, could you could name two of your great-grandparents? And one, one person knew one name. Oh, Charles, you could? Awesome. Um, but what he said, so in general, he said the point is, um, even your own family will have, your name will have been erased from the earth, even from the line of your own family in three generations. I was like, whoa. <laughs> like we really are just a breath that comes and goes. And our sanctity may, is very unlikely become famous. But we study the lives of the famous saints, not to become famous, but to be like them in sanctity, and to become a saint, whether famous or hidden. To borrow the those lovely powerful words from the end of George Eliot's um, middle March that in following the the famous Saints we may be transformed even if we live faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs of those words from George Eliot famous or hidden Um, my prayer is that each of you by the Holy Spirit and me together us as a parish would become Saints that the people who did know us while our name is kept alive wouldn't remember us for priority, primarily for anything else other than, wow, that person, they really loved God and were they really inhabited those beatitudes that we read. They, they thirsted for righteousness. They were meek and merciful. My prayer is that by focusing on Him, each of us would be made into saints. Saints who focus on God, to whom all glory and attention is worthy. Amen.